Amen. 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 Why don't you grab a seat and grab a seat? What a, uh, what a fantastic start uh, to the morning already. It's, uh, I just want to say welcome to you. And uh, my name's Dean, if you don't know me. And if, you're, if it's your first week here with us, welcome. It is just so great to have you here. And, uh, and it's our privilege that you'd come and spend a bit of time with us today. And so, so glad to have you. If you're second time here as well, you're welcome also, if it's your second. And even if it's your third time, you're also welcome. And beyond that, no one's been here before. So it's kind of, I think it's about, it's about three weeks or something like that. So it's great having you here, uh, however you got here. And, uh, and this morning, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, this is such a special time of year. And today, uh, we're starting a new series that we're going to be leaning into the next few weeks. Um, and it's called The Best Christmas Ever. It's, uh, I know, uh, how good is that? I mean, yeah, the best Christmas ever. We promise big and uh, hope to deliver on that. We want you to have uh, the best Christmas ever. And, uh, and to be honest, there's really very little we can do to make that happen. Except that we believe that when we understand that the one true best Christmas ever, the only Christmas that really mattered, the Christmas that changed every Christmas, the original, the birth of Christ, and we understand that actually, we believe it, it can change what the best Christmas looks like for every one of us. You know, when we even talk about this idea of best Christmas ever, uh, that can mean so many different things uh, to, to each one of us. Everyone has to have a different picture of what that might look like. You know, when I was thinking about, you know, what would I think was my, my best Christmas ever, you know, and there's certain gifts that run through as, a, you know, the year it got, like the Millennium Falcon as a child. Well, that's definitely up there. Uh, there's, there's, but one, one particular Christmas I was just, thinking about as I thought about, what was the best Christmas ever? Uh, 2003 was uh, my wife and I, it was the last year we lived in the States before we moved to Australia in 04. And we were living in New York. My wife worked in New York City as a teacher. I was studying just outside the city. And we were like, this is our last year probably to live in New York. And so we want to, let's make sure we hit like as many of the kind of classic Christmas moments as we can in the city. Now, when you think about you know, some of the great all-time Christmas movies. I mean, the kind of Christmas movie you're talking, the tearjerkers, the stuff that moves your heart, the stuff that you just, like, that was just so beautiful. Certainly, at the top of that list has to be Home Alone 2, uh, Lost in New York, right? I mean, it's that not, it's one of the all-timers. And, uh, and, 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 you know, I, I don't want to give anything away about the movie, but it's just kind of, you know, it's, it was one of my favorites. Certainly, do we have any Home Alone 2 fans in the house? We have, this is good. That's good. They're all located in this section. You're going to, I'm going to just talk with my friends over here today because clearly we're on the same wavelength. And, uh, and it is this great movie where, uh, you know, it takes place all around New York City. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything for you, although I really think spoiler alerts should sort of expire after 15 to 20 years. But, um, so, but there's a kid and he gets lost and from his family. And uh, anyway, and, and the movie, you know, takes place in New York City and he goes around to all these special places. I've always just had, you know, I always just love like kind of these iconic Christmas in New York spots. And so that year we thought we're going to go to, and the Christmas in the, where, where we grew up in the States always kicks off with Thanksgiving. How many people have ever, have you ever had a, you know, crazy American friend and celebrated Thanksgiving with them? And it's this big meal. You've probably seen it in the movies. You have turkey and a lot of sweet, delicious goodness. And you just kind of give thanks for sugary food and pie. And that's what the day is kind of about. And, uh, and some other things as well. I was never great at history. But um, it, so 
one of the things on Thanksgiving, though, which is the, the last week in November, no matter where you live, on TV, every channel shows this parade in New York City called the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And there's all these giant balloons, and there's marching bands, and people sing and dance. And, it's, and so we're like, we're in New York, let's go, you know, bucket list, let's, we're going to go to Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And so we, family came out, and we stayed in the city for the night, and went to the parade, and it was amazing. We're like, wow. And then uh, another week later, there's another, you know, kind of always famous Christmas moment in New York where they light the Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center. And, and there's this Christmas tree, and, and, and that's where Kevin McAllister goes to find his family in Home Alone 2. And so it's a beautiful place. And there's this moment where they light the tree. And so we went down that night to Rockefeller Center, and we stood in the crowds and, and, and watched for the tree. And I, we're in this crowd, and the thing I always realized that day that I've never forgotten, we're in this crowd. It's like on TV. You know, you're just squished everywhere waiting for, you know, an hour or two for the lights to turn on. And I'm like, this is awesome. I'm loving this. I'm seeing everything. And they're all like, how much longer is this going to be? And I realized that, like, I was the tallest. And I'm like, what's this experience like for you guys? And I went like this. And I was like, this is significantly less fun down here. And, and it was just like, no wonder you guys. And I don't, that's just, I just realized in that moment I had a perspective change, you know. Like, actually, when you're standing in a crowd of people and you can't see over the majority, it's much less fun. But. It was a wonderful moment, and we waited, and the lights came on the tree, and we were like part of this, wow, you know, it's on TV, we're there, the lighting of the tree, and then we went to this, uh, there's this famous show at Radio City Music Hall in New York City, and, and it's called, you know, the Radio City Christmas Spectacular, it's been happening for like a hundred years or something, I don't know, a long time. And it's just got, you know, Broadway dancers and music and all those things. And the, the Rockettes, it's, it's world famous. And we went to that with some friends. And we're like, this is the best Christmas. We've done it all. We went to Macy's. We've been to the tree. We've been to, you know. And it was like this incredibly uh, fun year. And I guarantee you this, that you would have certain years. What it will look like is different. For some of you, the worst nightmare would be being in a place like New York City and it being freezing cold. And that, you know, what makes for a best Christmas for each of us, we all think of different things. But you'll have yours. You'll have your memories that you think, that was just one of the best. The thing about Christmas is we always have kind of a choice. That if we think about Christmas in terms of what, and this is our kind of, our pull in life, our, our sort of gut reaction, sort of the natural bent that we have is we can evaluate or judge our, our Christmas based on what's happening. Did I get to do some fun things? Did I get to see some things I want to see? Did I get a present that I wanted? Did I get to have dinner with the people I wanted to on Christmas Day? Did I get to have dinner with the people that I didn't want to have? You know, whatever's happening will color uh, whether we think it was a good Christmas, a bad Christmas, the best Christmas or not. But what we're thinking about in this series is not how do we have the best Christmas in that sense. Because the best Christmas ever is not about what's happening in any given year. It, it's, it's about what happened. And so when we talk about the best Christmas ever, we're not saying, hey, what are the things that you could do this year so that you'll have the best Christmas ever? If those things happen, you'll be happy and love it. No, the best Christmas ever and really beginning to change your experience of what Christmas is about comes down to not what's happening, but what happened. And so for this series, we're going to reflect on what happened. You know, at the first Christmas, at the birth of Christ. You know, spoiler alert, we're in church. The best Christmas ever was Jesus being born. But this is the amazing thing is that when we actually 
lean into, sort of soak in, reflect on, quiet the noise of our lives long enough to really understand what happened, that can transform our experience of Christmas more than anything else. More than anything that's happening or not happening, when we understand what happened here, it, it has this amazing power to transform not just Christmas, but how we experience all the events of life. And so this, for this few weeks, we're just going to be leaning into uh, Luke's account of that first Christmas. And we're just going to kind of be spending some time in it and letting what happened then shape our experience of Christmas today. So we're going to start today with the story of Zechariah. It kind of, his account, one of the places it kicks off is with the story of a guy named Zechariah. And Zechariah, you know, we often kind of forget his name and place in the Christmas story. It's easy to forget. You know, he doesn't, we, we're always Mary, Joseph, you know, angels, shepherds, never going to forget them. Uh, Zechariah sometimes can get left to the side. And, and unless something's kind of drawn us to him, he doesn't get an nativity scene. He doesn't get, you know, like little figurines often made of him. But his story is one that I think every one of us can relate a bit to. And when we understand his place in the story, it's got a lot to say to us. So we're going to start uh, today, Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look uh, at this story of Zechariah. Luke chapter 1 says this, in the time of Herod, king of Judea. Now I love even just this phrase, in the time of Herod, king of Judea. Remember this, if you know nothing else, if you're new to church or you're not, you know, like not sure you know about all this. This is a story that is not just kind of a made-up fairy tale. This took place in human history at a specific time and moment. And it was in the time of Herod, king of Judea. He's attested to by history books. This is, you know, this is, in that time, there was, this is where the story begins. There was a priest named Zechariah. And he belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. That's Hebrew for a bad dude. Abijah. He's just a tough guy. And um, is that... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm getting, no, it's not. That is not the Hebrew. That's not the Hebrew. All right, just disregard that. Throw that, throw that away. Um, we had no idea what that means. Abijah. But he was, he was part of this priestly line, and his wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. So our intro to this guy, Zechariah, is that, you know what, he comes from a great line of people. He comes from like a priestly line. And this was an incredibly important role. These were people who, uh, you know, knew God, like that was, these were honored positions. These are great people, uh, uh, Aaron and his wife Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Now this doesn't mean they were like perfect people, never did anything wrong. But what it means is that these were a man and a woman who walked with God, whose lives were about, hey, we want to serve God, we want to know God. What God says, that's what we want to live out. They weren't perfect, but they constantly sought to walk with God. And the amazing thing is, and almost kind of surprising at this point in the story, it says, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. It's surprising because in those days and in that era, you know, to not have a child, to have a child was a sign of favor of God. And it was sort of like, here's these people, they seem to be like in all the right places doing all the right things, but they don't have a child. And now they're old and, and beyond that point. 
I'm just going to read through Zechariah's whole story, and then we're going to come back to, to some parts of it. It says, once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, that they'd kind of throw these things and believe that, you know, God determined who should do something, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord. So serving at the temple, now he gets chosen to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And this was an incredible honor and privilege. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So now he's going to go into the temple by himself. The crowd is now all waiting outside while he goes in to do this. It says then, so now he's inside. He's all alone. He's going to light the incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Angel training school day one is like the first thing to say to anyone is do not be afraid. You're going to go down there. People are going to be freaking out. Just let them know. Don't be afraid. So the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. This is going to be a special child. God has a special plan, purpose for his life. And, and so he is never to take wine or other fermented drink. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He'll bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children, disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. His job is going to go before the Lord. He's going to be preparing people to, to know the Lord. Zechariah hears all this and asks the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you, to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah. They're all outside wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he couldn't speak to them. His voice was gone. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple. For he kept making signs to them, but he remained unable to speak. This story of Zechariah, you know, is a moment where he gets to be part of the best Christmas ever. That he is going to actually become a part of the story that will be told through all generations of the coming of the Messiah, the Savior, Christ, into the world. What I think is amazing about this story and Zechariah's story here is that it, it helps us see something that Zechariah is going to find out something that's true for him and it's true for us. That actually, you know how you begin to be experience the best Christmas ever is it it's when you begin to realize that the story is not about you but that you have a place in the story Zechariah is going to get this message and this word that he's going to have a child who's going to be a part of preparing the people of God to to know Jesus that's what his this child he's going to have a, a son and this son's going to be filled with the spirit and going to be a, a, a speak you know, to the people as a prophet. And, and, and here's the amazing thing. It's like Zechariah, when you think about his story, 
it tells us, you know, they didn't have a child. And they would have wanted a child. And you can imagine, I mean, they're, they're old by this point. And for many of us, if we could have asked God for anything, if we were Zechariah, we'd have probably been asking for a child. Maybe he'd done that once upon a time. Maybe he'd given up. And, and yet, that, that's what he wanted. But what he gets is something far greater. Is he is going to be given a child that is going to be a part of preparing the way for Jesus. Do you know, it, it says his prayer has been answered. And it, it's easy if you kind of read quickly to think, well, is it saying that, you know, he'd been praying for a child. And so the good news is you're going to have a child. Uh, what, you know, most anyone who studies this uh, passage will tell you is that he wasn't praying can I have a child? If he was, he probably, when the angel said, you're going to have a son, he'd have been like, yes, my prayer's been heard, it's been answered. But instead he's disbelief. Because what seems clear about Zechariah is that what he was praying for was for the deliverance of Israel, the redemption of Israel. What he was praying, though he wouldn't have even had words for it, was he was praying for Jesus to come into the world. He's praying for a savior. I love this story because it reminds us that, you know what, sometimes... We think that the best thing that could happen would be that we get what we want. Like, and when we think about our best Christmases ever, so often it's like, I got to do this. I got to see that. I got to go there. I got to receive this gift. And, and we think, you know what, if only I kind of got what I was looking for, that would be the best Christmas ever, right? No, with Zechariah, what he gets to experience is that the best Christmas ever happens when you realize it's not about you. It's about the bigger story of what God's doing in this world. It's like God's like, you know, I am doing something far bigger than you could even imagine. And Zechariah, the great news is you are going to be a part of this story. It's not about you, but you're going to have a part in the story. Do you know this Christmas, here's what I can tell you, is that your Christmas will be radically different. Every one of us, it will be radically different if we do not fall into the trap of thinking Christmas is about us. If we don't fall into the trap of thinking, if only I had this, got this, saw this, went there, did this, if only that, that would make for a good Christmas. That's a trap. Real life is found. Real joy is found. The best Christmas ever and the best life ever is found when you realize it's not about me. God's doing something bigger. Because the incredible thing is, what Zechariah found out was not only was it not about him, but yet, even though it wasn't about him and his needs and what he wanted, God had a place for him in the story. The story's not about you, but you have a place in the story. And that is one of the most freeing, transformative ideas that any one of us can come to understand. Actually, Christmas isn't about me. You know, life's not about me. It's that God is, is writing a bigger story. And even though it's not about me, What's true for Zechariah and true for each one of us is yet, is yet even within that, God has a, a place for us. I mean, Zechariah gets to be, talk about, you know, kind of a, an amazing moment to be part of. Zechariah gets to have an angel show up, talk to him, be told this is who his son's going to be, his child's going to be, this is what's going to happen. It's what he's looked forward to his whole life. What an incredible moment. And I think my, my hope for everyone is, you know what would, would be amazing, what would, be, what would help push us towards, you know, uh, you know, being a part of an even greater Christmas, if you will, 
Um, it's those moments when we get to realize, you know what, actually, this is my, my part in the story. I mean, wouldn't every one of us love to know, like, I'm a part of something bigger. I'm a part of something greater. My life is a part of a, a it's not just kind of me and my little world and these things happen. Man, my life is a part of the big story of what God's doing. And, and one of the things I, I love about Zechariah that I think if, if you're the kind of person who thinks, man, I want to be a part of that, you know, that makes my heart beat. I think I want to be, be a part of something bigger and what God's doing. You know, Zechariah's life also kind of shows us the way to actually move towards those things. Because it'd be easy to think, yeah, we would all love to be part of kind of this highlight moment, angel from heaven, all these things. But you know what I love about Zechariah is that you see there, there's a couple things that help position us for a moment like that. And I want you to see something that helped position Zechariah for this moment. And it's those words that we saw. It says, you know, they were faithfully, kind of regularly obeying blameless before God. Zechariah and his wife had this lifetime of faithfulness. Can I tell you something? Faithfulness, day in, day out, week in, week out, faithfulness, striving to walk after God is what positions us to be part of an amazing moment with God. You know, uh, we, we saw he was a part of this priestly division. There's 24 of these priestly divisions. They served about two weeks a year, every division. They would have to travel from their homes and, and go to the temple and perform their service a couple weeks a year. And then some bonus time on, on, uh, on holidays. It's kind of like our, our teams here at True North. They would get like a uh, sort of a, a monthly email that reminded them when they were going to be serving at the temple. And they, would, it, it, they even developed a text messaging system. And they got, anyway. So uh, they, these guys would serve. And, and they're divided into these teams and groups. And they all, they all served, you know, a couple weeks a year. And they had to travel. So if you think, you know, it's a lot of work, you know, serving a church here, imagine, you know, twice a year you had to go, you know, really far south, you know, like Mandra. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it was a lot farther than that for a lot of them. But they'd have to go. And, but you know what I love about this is, is that you see in this, his faithfulness. Do you know something about Zechariah? We are reading this story, this moment. This one highlight out of his whole life. He served year in, year out. By this point in Zechariah's story, it tells us he and his wife were now very old. He's been doing this his whole life. Do you know something? Sometimes you serve in faithfully week in, week out. He went to the temple twice, you know, two weeks at a time, twice a year, year after year after year after year. And guess what happened every time? Nothing dramatic. Just faithful serving. He didn't walk out every time like, oh, you wouldn't believe what happened in there. I saw a vision from God. If I... No, you know what I love this story? It says, it's the way it starts, Zechariah, it says, once. Lifetime of faithfulness and service, once. An angel of God appears and he has that incredible experience that we still talk about today. Can I tell you something? You want to position yourself to be a part of something God does that's great. Who wouldn't want to be a part of this moment? But it doesn't just like, wow, left, right, and center. It happens through a lifetime of faithfulness that positions you for that one time when God speaks into your life, positions you for an incredible thing. Now, I'm not trying to say that God doesn't speak more than that or have more than that. But these kinds of moments, can I tell you something? We all would love it if every time we, we came to church on a Sunday, we walked out and it was like we had a vision and something beyond, you know, incredible. Can I tell you something? There are, those things happen in moments, but most of the life of following God is lived in faithfulness, like Zechariah did. Walking according to his ways, 
serving when he was called on. And then this one time, and their whole life as a priest, one time, and some maybe never, only once were you allowed to be the person who would go in to burn the incense. This is like the, the, the pinnacle moment for someone in his position. And it comes one time. You know, I love that reminder because I, I think it speaks to what it looks like to just be a faithful person. You know, it's not sexy. It's not flashy. We'd all love the kind of boom moments every day. And it, but most of life is lived faithfully serving God. And when you do that, incredible thing is when you do that, like this is what life's about. Because he's following God and he positions himself that when God has this moment for him, he is right where he was meant to be. You know, the thing I love as well, that you see in this story when you think about how do we be a part of this bigger story God's writing, is that this whole idea of what we believe is also quite critical. This faithfulness, it positions us, and, and belief is this other ingredient that we see is quite important here. In fact, I want you to see these verses. If we go back to that interaction, I think it's verse 18, the interaction between the angel Gabriel and, uh, and Zechariah. And, uh, and I love this, you know, Zechariah, you know, Gabriel's told me you're going to have a son. He's going to be the forerunner. You know, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have a son named John. And look at Zechariah's response. He asks the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm old and my wife is born. How can I be sure of this? I think this is such an incredible question. He's like, how can I be sure of this? Like, surely, if an angel stood in front of you and told you exactly what was going to happen, surely, you'd be like, you know what? You, you had me at hello. You know, <laughs> like, the moment I saw you, you were an angel standing there. I was pretty well ready to accept anything you were going to say after that moment. You know, I mean, he's an angel. Zechariah is not like, oh, I don't believe you're an angel. How am I going to? He's like, I got it. Angel, startled, afraid, did the whole gamut, you know. And yet he says to him, how can I be sure? How can I know this? You know, and, and, and here's the amazing thing is you, what he struggled to believe was that God could use him. You know, he, he says to him, how can I be sure of this? My wife and I, you know, he says, I'm, I'm old and my wife, he's very gracious. My wife is well along in years. I'm old, she's, she's well along in years. She's doing well. Well along. And, uh, and what he's saying is, how can I be sure of this? You're telling me we're going to have a child, he's going to be a the delivery? Like, surely not us. It's almost like he doesn't, he doesn't have a problem believing this is a, 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 a message. He has a problem believing that God could use them. He thinks they're past. They've, they've missed their opportunity. They've missed their window that surely God could not. In fact, I love, go back to those verses. I love what, what Gabriel says. You know, he, he asks him this question, how can I know this? And the angel says to him, you know, it's like the angel also is probably uh, almost kind of start like, you, you're going to ask me that? He's like, you know, Zechariah, how, how, can, how can I be sure? This? And the angel's like, I'm Gabriel. How can you be sure? I'm Gabriel. Like, did you not, did you not see the card? Did you not kind of, like, I stand in the presence of God, and he told me to tell you this is going to happen. You know, I love that, that this, this kind of, you know, and I don't know if, if angels, like, if they, you know, if God tells them, here's what I want you to say, or if the angels, like, they get to freestyle. <laughs> and so, you know, because I just picture Gabriel here. You know, and, and, and then just Gabriel's like, like, for real? You're asking me that? Like, how can you be, like, I'm Gabriel. Like, you're not, 
you know, you read Daniel? Like, have you, hello, you know, I'm telling you, I'm before God and I'm telling you it's going to happen. And I love him. And he's like, you know, and you know what? Because you don't believe, I'm going to take your voice. Again, I wonder, like, did God tell him, Gabriel, if he doesn't believe it, just take his voice. If Gabriel's like, no, nah, that's just how I roll. <laughs> Look, you don't want to believe what I got to say? Well, you're not going to talk for a while. So, uh, you know, now you're going to be silent. Not going to be able to speak until the day this happens. Have fun because these things are going to come true at their appointed time. I love this moment because it's almost like, you know, like why do you take his voice? You know, why? Why? Because he doesn't believe you take his voice. You can't talk. And it's almost, I don't know, you know, it's kind of like, sometimes it's a bit like, you know what? Why don't you sit in the corner the next nine months and think about what you did, you know? It's kind of got that ring to it. And to some degree, the taking of the voice is a little bit of a sign of shame. It's almost like you're doing the wrong thing here. You don't want to believe? Well, you're going to, we're going to take your voice. And until that child's born, you're not going to speak again. And you're going to, you're going to come to know to believe that the things God says are going to happen will come true at their appointed time. What I love about this whole interaction you know, with Gabriel and, and him and this belief, is that you see, you know, God, uh, when he wants us to be a part of his story, one of the big things, one of the big things that can almost be the difference between being a part of that story or not, one of the things you see throughout the Bible that God is looking for is for people who will simply believe that God can do what he says he's going to do. People who will believe that when God says this is going to happen, it will happen at its appointed time. You know, I think that the, the challenge, the challenge that Zechariah felt and the challenge that we can so often feel, it's like, I, I think Zechariah, he didn't have a problem there was an angel there. He didn't have a problem that he, was, he knew he was a part of an incredible moment. What he had trouble believing was how, how can you use us? We're old. We missed the window. Maybe you could have once upon a time, but surely we're past. Can I tell you something? Every one of us probably has something we could fill in the blanks on as to why God could not use me. I'm too old. I'm too young. I've done this. I've done that. Surely I've disqualified myself. Surely I missed the window. Surely there was maybe once upon a time God could have, but surely not now. Every one of us can fill in the blanks with reasons why we think God could not use us. But what is incredible about Zechariah that angel tells him, no, this will happen. And what's amazing as well is that just because he didn't believe, just because he struggled in that moment, the angel's not also like, you know what, forget it. I'm done with you. You know, I showed up. Gabriel came all the way here, and you don't want to believe me? I'll find, you know, we can do this a different way. No, he says, look, I'm going to take your voice. And you are going to have some time to meditate and think on this. And your next nine months will look a lot different than if you had just believed. But God's going to use you anyway. God has this way of not only can he use any one of us, but in spite of all the things we might even think we've done to disqualify ourselves, he does it anyway. If we will simply be those faithful people, positioned, and willing to step into the places and spaces he has for us in his story. I love this story of Zechariah because it, it just kind of reminds us. I, I think he's such a great 
picture of what it looks like to step into that story. He's a guy who knew both the, the day-in, day-out faithfulness of God, and he's a guy, a guy who got to experience an incredible moment and ultimately got to play this incredible part in the story of, of God sending his Jesus into this world. And wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't there be kind of almost nothing more amazing than to, at, at Christmas time, to realize that every one of us has a, a part to play that matters in God's big story. Because this story, is, it's, it's bigger yet than just the story of the birth of Christ. We recognize the birth of Christ is only the, the one part of the biggest story of all of God working to redeem humans and call lost children back to himself through Christ. And he invites all of us to find our place in life, our meaning in life, our purpose in life by finding our part in that bigger story. The Christmases will come and go, fun experiences will come and go, all the things we look forward to, they'll come, but we are invited to play a part in the biggest story of what God is writing in this world. And when we know that, when we begin to embrace the fact that uh, the story is not about us, but we have a place in it, then we get to step in, we get to be a part of the best Christmas ever. We get to, to let that start to transform our, our days and our weeks and our Christmases and our New Year's and our new months and days and, and our lives. And I want to encourage you, you know, wherever you find yourself, you know, in your story with God and whatever the story that's brought you to this moment is, whatever whatever things that you feel like may have places you've missed it or places you've wondered where God is, you have a part in the story. You know, Zechariah's name means remembered by God. And I sometimes think, would this man and his wife, who for years longed for, sought God, I'm sure, for a child, never getting one. And for years served faithfully, for years observed all the Lord's rules and commands, you know, blamelessly. For years, for life, they, they day in, day out, week in, week out, this is the kind of people they were. Would it not have been so easy to think we are forgotten by God? But in this moment, they realize they are remembered by God. And I just want, I want you to know, I want, you know, every person to know, no matter where our life has taken us, we all have a little bit of Zechariah in us. We are remembered by God. On the days it doesn't feel like it and on the amazing days like this that it does. The story is bigger than us, but we have a part to play in this story. I want to pray for us this morning. And I'm going to invite the team to come back up. And uh, I want to just pray for every person here. That maybe even today, even as we gather, you know, just a, another Sunday coming in, that on this day maybe God would refresh you. That maybe there's something he wants to just pour out into your life. Maybe there's a, a, a touch on the shoulder. He wants you to know you are remembered by him. You are, are not unseen by him. You are remembered by him. And maybe he just wants to remind you, you know, there is a 
bigger story that sometimes we can't see. And actually, God longs for you to be a part of that story. In fact, I'm going to invite you just to stand where you are. It's an incredible time of year as we remember this part of the story of God stepping into the world, taking on human flesh, God giving his son, that whoever believes would know eternal life. And I want to just pray for each one of us to to find our place in that story today, this Christmas. Would you bow with me?